Hello everyone, my name is Amy and I'm a girl on a mission to become the best version of myself in every aspect of my life and hopefully inspire a few of you to do the same. This podcast is going to be full of real, raw and honest moments from a far from perfect girl that is learning to love herself and spread the message of positivity. I'll be sharing all the things I learn on my journey with you, so whether you are looking to grow with me or just have a laugh along the way, welcome to Girl on a Mission. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Girl on a Mission podcast. Got a really exciting episode today because I have my first special guest. I'm a little bit nervous to have a guest, but I'm hoping all goes well. So the guest we have is a super special one to me. This is my bestie, Kaylee Haddo, and she is an entrepreneur little queenie. She has three businesses and she is only 21 and she is just the person I go to if I ever need business advice. So I thought, why not get her on for an episode all about how to start your own business? So welcome, Kaylee. Hello, everyone. So I'd love if you could tell the listeners a little bit about... Um, your businesses and how you started them all out. Amazing. So I currently have a beauty-based business called Kaylee Haddo Beauty and that is for all of my services. So I do lash extensions, eyebrows and makeup. And then I also started a continuation of that business which is called the K Collective and we're currently selling faux mink lashes. And then I also help my sisters with their very own candle business called Twin Flames. But yeah, I sort of got into it about 16 years when I started doing makeup for friends and family and it all just sort of progressed from there. Lovely. And what is it that you think makes your businesses unique? Ooh, I feel like that's a good question. I would like to think that my energy and education really brings something different to the table and I am so willing to help everyone out, which is not always common in the beauty industry, unfortunately. But I'd like to think that makes you stand out a little bit. No, I definitely agree. I love all of your new educational um, content on your Instagram. I think it's so nice. And even just um, from my point of view, having like this podcast, I love how you give all those tips on how to use social media to the best of your ability. I mean, you've even written a little book, which is huge. What inspired you to write that? Um, the book was definitely my sort of way of sharing everything that I'd learned in the last five years about growing your Instagram and running a business and just basically all the stuff that I wish someone had have sat me down and told me at the beginning. I feel like it is really hard to get the information that you need in terms of legality and, you know, how to run an Instagram business at the beginning and not a lot of people are willing to give that information away. So that's what inspired me and I wrote out everything that I could possibly think of and put it in a book so that everyone can have it. That is such a good idea and I think I've seen lots of people follow from your lead as well in terms of like I've seen it become a big thing with like hairdressers as well and like other little businesses now starting to share um, what makes their business, you know, so successful and it's like really helpful and I know I have a friend and she's wanting to start a business and she bought your book she absolutely loves it she said it's been helping her get ready and it's like given her really good insight into all these things she'd never even thought about before exactly right it's definitely things that you wouldn't necessarily think about going into it but essential knowledge and I guess that just comes with experience so why not get off on the best foot that you possibly can at the beginning 
Yes, totally. I completely agree. Now, if somebody is wanting to start their own business, how would you suggest they come up for an idea for their business? So like what tips do you have in figuring out what your niche is and all of those little things? For sure, for sure. Um, Something that I think is really important when starting a business, like you need to be incredibly passionate about it. I see so many people just starting a business for the sake of being like, oh yeah, I want to sell something and make some money, but you're just becoming the same as everyone else and blending in with the crowd. And if you don't have that passion behind it, it comes really obvious when you turn into a brand. Um, So yes, being super passionate and being educated um, and just like even reaching out to people that you want to be like. That's something that a few girls did when I had a makeup course. I was already qualified, but a lot of them were not. Um, And so a lot of them just asked me like what my days look like what my weeks look like you just need to figure out if that is something for you and then just be aware it is not all sunshines and rainbows running your own business can be some tricky shiz so just be weary (laughs) I love that you said you have to be really passionate about it because I was listening to a podcast the other day and they put it so beautifully if you're um if you're passionate about what you're doing, then you don't really need the motivation to get up and do it each day. Because like you said, it's not going to be easy. If your passion is your purpose, it's just going to be, you know, you're passionate about what you're doing every day. You might not enjoy every step of it, but you know that it's going to be so rewarding at the end because at the end of the day, you are passionate about what you're doing. For sure. I think in every job, there are always little aspects that you're not going to like about it. Um, And that's fine. You take the good with the bad with running your own business, but for the most part, you want to just absolutely love what you do. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason that people do start their own businesses because they want to have, you know, the ideal working situation where they can love every day of their life. They get to wake up and say, I get to go to work today or I got work to do today. And it's a happy emotion rather than a sad one, which unfortunately is very common in today's society. Um, but yeah, there's nothing more rewarding than, you know, being your own boss. Yeah, I know for a long time I wanted to be my own boss, but then I just realized there was nothing that I was passionate enough about to create a business. And like having you as one of my close friends, who's just like killing the business game. I was like, maybe I should just start a business. I'll just do it. But I was like, there's no reason for me to, I really, there's nothing that I would want to do every day. So I just like, you know, stayed in my own little lane and I'm waiting for something to maybe be passionate about one day. But this, this is your (laughs) shot. You have totally taken the leap of faith. And although it might not be a paid gig at the moment, it has exponential potential. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, say someone's figured out what business they want to do. Do you suggest creating a business plan? And if so, how would you suggest doing it? What would you suggest including in it and all of those little things I look I never have I've never been like okay this is how my first year of business needs to go otherwise it's not successful or I need to hit these margins in order not to you know get up a second job or anything like that Um, but I don't think that it's a bad thing to have a little bit of preparation Um, Something that I did when I first started Kaylee Haddo Beauty is I started an Excel spreadsheet and I started documenting all the money that I had put towards um, gearing up my room and all my furniture, my training, you know, um, posting on Instagram. Like if you do paid promotions, I just started doing all of that in an Excel spreadsheet 
And then I could see how much I had invested. And then when I started taking clients, I put them in the same spreadsheet, but as a positive, obviously, like gaining money. And that way I knew when I was breaking even and knew when things started to be worth it. So I think that's a really good thing to do. And if you are a product-based business, um, I would really suggest working out your margins for your profit and make sure you're factoring in your own wages. I see this so often with small businesses, both service-based and product-based. If you're putting you know, hours of your time in, you need to be including that into your price. So don't do anything for free. Although, you know, say on a product, you might mark it up 50% and it ends up, you know, it costs you $5 and you sell it for 10. Where's your profit? Because if five of it is cost price, how are you going to grow your business if you're trying to pay yourself as well? Yeah, I really love that. That's so interesting. That's something that I think is a big question mark for people when they're starting to sell a product is how do I set a price? How do I make sure that this is um, sustainable to continue this business on after the launch and all of those things? And I know you pay yourself a wage, don't you? Yes, I pay myself a wage in the collective products as well as my services. And something my dad told me, he ran businesses when he was a little bit younger. Um, he said, if you're not making 50%, it is not worth it. So for a quick breakdown of my lash prices, you need to be paying yourself, say, 50%, and then I pay 10% to my super, and then 40% of the rest of the money goes into my business account. And that's how I continue to grow because my cost price is not 40%, but that allows me to grow the money in my business account so that I have funds to invest in more things and grow as a business and give me some more opportunities. Yeah, I love that you do that. I, I remember the first time you told me that you put so much money back into your business and I was like, but why? I was like, I want... if. For me, if I was earning money, I would just want that money. But like, you have to really be business savvy to think, well, I don't want to just earn money now. I want to keep this as a sustainable business forever. So if I want to do that, I need to invest money back into my business to make it bigger and better each year. I don't want to plateau and stay at the level I'm at now. I always want to get better and do bigger, better things, which I think is so smart and interesting. For sure, for sure. And if from a product side, if you don't mark up the money that you're putting back into your business account. So say you're only putting the cost price of your products back into your business account. That same cost is only going to be the money you have circulating. So say you invest $500 at the start of your business and you use that and you spend all of that and you sell all of those products and you only put $500 back in your business, you're only going to be able to bring the same amount of product back out and release that. Whereas if you're putting an extra 25% loading in there, then you have the potential to increase your stock on hand by 25% and then just continue growing from that aspect. Yeah, I really love that. That's so, so interesting and insightful because otherwise I guess you're just getting stuck in a loop of just doing the same thing over and over and never growing bigger or better. Absolutely. With all of your revenue, how do you like to track it and make sure that you are obviously making a little bit more each time and putting that money back into the business. How do you look at all of that side of it? Um, I would very heavily suggest, and I know this goes without saying for product-based businesses, but if you're a service-based, absolutely start getting an FPOS machine. I use the Square Terminal. It is about a $500 investment. Um, 
and they do charge a surcharge of about 30 cents roughly per transaction. Um, mind you, you can claim that all back at tax time, so it really doesn't cost you anything to use the system. Um, but they have all of these reports. They will keep all of the money that you have um, taken from clients or from selling products or whatever, and it will keep it online for you. And when it comes around to tax time, my tax agent literally just asked me to print out the summary report. And that saves me so many like hours of trying to, you know, write down all of these cash transactions and all of that stuff. Whereas like I can go straight into my EFT terminal and log a cash, cash payment or, you know, a card payment and then it's all there ready to go. And then my second thing would be to have a business account. This is so bloody important. Um, so any of my money goes into my business account and then I pay myself my wage at the end of every day, depending on what clients I had that day. So if I had a small day, I have a smaller pay. If I had a big day, I get a bigger pay. Um, but everything goes into the business account. And that is something that my accountant also said is, you know, incredibly, incredibly important starting a business. That is such a good little idea of, not idea, I mean, it's almost a must-do is having a business account. And I think a lot of people skip that. They go, why wouldn't I just pay myself straight into my normal account? And then all my money is there and accessible. But it's like, then you could overspend your business money and you want to really separate those things so that you do have the money that's for the business and then the money that's for you. Mm -hmm. And it just comes down to the same sort of factor of paying yourself wages. Your business money and your money should not be the same thing. You want them to be separate to avoid, you know, any confusion. And that way, when you pay, put money into your own account, you know that's your money to spend on things that you want to buy for yourself and not for the business. And if you want to buy something for the business, you put it on the business card. And it just makes it so easy. I know doing makeup, a lot of the time I would be buying that out of my own money because I would use it for both me and my clients when I was working from home. Um... But now it's completely separate. I have my own makeup kit that I buy with my own money. And then I have the business makeup kit that I buy with the business money. That's so smart. And I guess um, it would probably make things easier come tax time too, being able to say um, what deductions you can make for the products that you are having to buy for your business. It would be very confusing separating what was personal and what was for the business. Whereas if you just keep it separate, it's easy and it's clean. Yeah. I, for tax time when working out my deductions, I just go onto my online banking and I go from there. Pretty much everything I do, I put on my business card, including my little trips to Kmart where I have to buy new towels for the salon or a new clock and all of that shit you can claim. So keeping it separate makes it so much easier because obviously when you go through your statements online, it doesn't tell you what you bought at what place. So it's really important to just have that clarity and keep it separate. And it saves you from carrying these receipts around all year. That's something that shits me up the wall. <laughs> I know every year I plan on keeping all my receipts to, for tax time and I do it for about a good two weeks and I pop them all in my little file holder and then I'm like, absolutely stuff this. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Too much. <laughs> for sure. And if you pay cash, keep your receipt. But if it's online, it is in your bank account or you have an invoice sitting in your emails anyway. So it's just wasted time yeah now we were talking a lot about um making sure you're putting money back into the business so that it's growing but how else do you like to ensure that your business is always growing and progressing and not getting stuck in the same spot 
I think this is something incredibly important in this day and age and it is growing so rapidly, especially in lockdown. And a lot of people don't love it, but influencer marketing, that is going to get you out there and help you grow past your current audience. So something that my dad said when I was launching my book, he was like, okay, so once you sell to all of your followers, how do you get to the people past them? So how would I reach any more people if I have already marketed myself to my complete audience? And that's when you need to start reaching out, find these, you know, micro influencers that have, you know, 3,000, 2,000, 1,000 like unique followers that are interested in their content and send them some stuff for free and ask them to post about it. Because then you're, you know, leeching into their audience and then you might get one more sale or anything like that. It's just about expanding your horizons as much as you can. That's such a good idea. And I know lots of people have this funny thing about influencers and they think there's no point getting an influencer to promote something unless they've got like 50K or more followers. But for me, I think a micro-influencer would be much more effective because if I know someone personally and they are talking about something and recommending it, I'm way more likely to trust them because I know them. Whereas I know an influencer, that is their job. They get sent stuff all day long and I don't know how genuine they could be about it. Whereas if it's someone small that I genuinely personally know, I'm like, yes, I trust what you're saying and I know that I want to try the products out that you believe in. For sure. I was actually reading this article yesterday and it was comparing micro and macro influencers. And so macro is pretty much considered anyone with over 50,000 followers. And it talks about engagement rates. And this is something that I know a lot about just from experience. But you have on a general basis, there is more engagement, a higher percentage of an engagement rate with micro influencers because they have the time to comment back to all of the comments on their posts and really build that relationship with their followers. And therefore, the recommendations that you're making from that aspect, they are so much more genuine and there is a really like care between followers and the influencer. Whereas when you get to someone much bigger and all they do is just promote, promote, promote all these different brands, and it could be one of your competitor brands. And then if you send them something and they promote you, it does not seem genuine. It's just like they will just promote anything coming their way or they're not really interested in brand values. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit of an interesting thing. And micro influencers are much more likely to work for free or for um, exchange for product. Whereas if you're looking at macros, I can almost guarantee you will need to send them your products and also pay for the posts. Yeah, and I think people forget how um, much of a difference marketing and influencing makes because like I know there's a fact where it's like, even for me personally, if I go to buy, let's say dog food, like something super random, if I'm going to buy dog food and I'm looking at all of the brands and there's they all the packaging is really nice, it's all on a similar level and I'm looking at them all and I'm really confused and I look at one brand and I've heard that name before, whether it be on a radio ad and influencers talking about it, anything like that. If I've heard that name before and maybe even just seen their logo, I feel like I know that brand already, even though I know nothing about them or their products or the quality of their products, I know that brand so I'm more likely to buy that brand than the ones that I've never even heard of before. This is scientifically proven and I study it a little bit in uni and it is all about brand awareness. You are so, so, so much more likely to go with a brand that you've heard of, even if it is a product you are not aware of, 
um, than a brand you've never heard of because you start to have a relationship with them. So if we put this down to, I mentioned this on my story the other day, if we're going to the shops and there's two packets of cereal and they are both Fruit Loops, but one is Kellogg's brand and one is not, you will go for the Kellogg's brand. If they were the same price, you absolutely would go for Kellogg's because you know that brand, you've heard of it before. You've got this association with it. And the same goes for influencer marketing. It goes a little bit more into like subconscious feelings. But if you see an influencer posting, oh my God, thank you so much. What a sweet company. You're actually instilling in all of their followers that you're a really kind and caring brand. And even though you could be a massive brand, you actually really care enough to give back to your people and really spoil them. And even if it, you are not directly getting spoiled, you automatically share in those feelings and like gain a really, really positive association with that brand itself. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. I know even a little example of that is um, I know a girl personally who has a little platter company and I remember she sent you a little box for the launch of your ebook and you put it on your stories because it was such a sweet thing of her to do. Like just she sent you this as a little congratulations and I was like, wow, that is so sweet. And then I associate the owner of that business with being really sweet and caring and thoughtful and I mean, you see it on the bigger scale, like you see big influencers getting sent flowers for their birthday from like big clothing brands. And you're like, oh, that's really nice of them. They obviously care about the people that they work with. So yeah, it's very interesting. And even more in that regard, if you are the influencer or the business that it's building this relationship, if we go back to the platter I got sent from Platter and Vogue, I now have this amazing relationship with her and she's just reached her 10,000 followers. And so she reached out to do a giveaway and I was like, heck yeah, girlfriend, I'm going to give you the biggest prize because you really, you know, went out of your way to help my business and now I'm here to help yours. And it is so important to have good relationships when building a business. Yeah, exactly. And I know that's something that you kind of started speaking out about maybe like years ago, honestly, how lots of people in the beauty industry used to be quite um, competitive, whereas you were like, no, let's build each other up. Let's have really good friendships and bonds. And that's such a smart way to do it because then when you are having giveaways, like with Platter and Bo, you're going to be seen by her 10,000 followers when she does this giveaway. And that's like another way of growing once again. Absolutely. Building that brand awareness, getting your name out there as much as possible so that when people do come over your page again, they're like, oh, I recognize this name. And they have an idea of who you are and what your brand stands for. I love that. Now, we're talking a lot about just then how to, you know, um, make a connection with the customer or buyer. And I know at the moment, a big thing for small businesses is people are loving that. They love that they feel connected to the business if they send personalized notes. Do you have any little tips on things like the little extra mile you can go to make your customer feel connected to you? Absolutely. First of all, when you reply to DMs, I don't give flying shit <laughs> if they've just like fire reacted to your story if you can and I know it can be overwhelming like me personally I am flooded with inboxes every day but if you have the time actually reply to that reaction with words and anytime someone comes to, in your box you know inbox trying to ask a question or advice or anything like that 
give like you have nothing to lose because you are building respect and care. And from a product side business, you know, if they want extra information, if they need guide guidance in like what they might want to purchase, be that person, go the extra mile, tell them all the information, be honest, don't just try and sell your product, be honest. If it is not a good fit for them, do not try and sell it to them because you are not going to have a happy customer. And also something that I do for both Twin Flames and for the collective is every order comes with a handwritten note and I never just write the same thing in every single card, you know, relate it back to what they've actually purchased. Let them know if that's your, you know, favorite candle scent or if it's your favorite lash style or anything like that. Just go the extra mile to show your, you know, your customers that you are a person behind this all and you care about them. Yeah, I really love that. Um, I also love your packaging for your lashes. It is absolutely incredible. Can you explain a little bit about how you decided upon what packaging you were going to do and, you know, where you found the resources for that? Absolutely. Um, Packaging is amazing in terms of getting it reposted. People feel like they're getting this little gift and you know what? They've paid for their own gift. Why don't you make it special for them? Make it a moment to unbox it. And this is something that is just not highly thought of enough. I can't even tell you how many times people just posted photos of my tissue paper once they got their orders from my first launch. Me included. Loved that. So pretty. (laughs) But people are like, they open it up and it's not what they're expecting. They're like, oh my gosh, wow, she actually put so much time and effort into, you know, packaging her products. It feels luxurious. It feels, you know, next level. And it's not something that you get every day. My personalized tissue paper was from No Issue Tissue and it was expensive, but my trick with that, if you're wanting to do personalized tissue and you need to bulk it up because obviously it's a little bit of a transparent tissue paper, I have cheap $11 tissue paper from the craft store um, that is pink that I layer underneath. I do two layers of that and then one layer of my personalized tissue. And that way you save a little bit of money because obviously it is a lot more expensive per sheet to have it personalized than it is to just have plain pink. Yep. Yep. That's such a little smart tip there. Packaging has honestly become just everything for small businesses. I mean, I'm on the small business side of TikTok. I'm sure you are too. It's a huge (laughs) thing. And I honestly just love watching people's TikToks just for their packaging. I think it's so interesting and amazing And especially in the world we're living in now, obviously this pandemic has hit the world pretty hard. Everyone's starting to want to support small businesses more. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't you when they go that extra mile and make it feel really personal when you get your little gift? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on the topic of social medias with TikTok and stuff, I know you're a little social media whiz, absolute (laughs) extraordinaire. So let's chat about social media. Where do you even start? It's a good question. And for that, I would like you to think about who your audience is. If you have an older demographic, say you have bought an established salon and they have primarily, you know, clients that are over the age of 40, they're not on Instagram. They don't know how to use it. So that's when you need to put your effort into Facebook marketing. If your audience like mine, I am very clear on who my, you know, my customers are. They're uni students or like late high school or, you know, 
early in their careers, they're all female, you know, they've got a bit of money to spend. They're not on the poor side of things. And that tells me, okay, they're on Instagram or they're on TikTok. And so that's when you need to start figuring out, you know, where your demographics line up with where you're putting your effort into. Um, starting an Instagram business is the best way to go. Just start getting photos out there. And I see this, and this is something that I tell people all the time. If you're starting an Instagram business, but you haven't actually got your product yet, or you haven't started taking clients yet, still make your page. That way you can start getting followers. And when you launch, you have an audience to launch to rather than trying to launch your products with zero followers because no one cares because there's no one to show it to. Yes, yes. that is so smart. And I love that you said to know what social media to use for what your clientele is. A little example of this is I do social media for a winery and our clientele is very much 40 years and older. Um, You know, it goes even up to 65 years and older. That's just who our main clientele is. And although we are trying to appeal to a younger demographic, so we do have an Instagram and we're very active on there, our Facebook is definitely our main um, point. It's what brings most of our customers in. So we focus all of our money. If we're ever going to do an ad, we do it on Facebook first. doesn't mean we won't do one on Instagram, but we know that we're more likely to get a return from our Facebook ads than we are on Instagram. For sure. And in service-based or even product-based, this also applies. If they're not a customer that you would want to have in your salon, don't try and attract them. So I personally put zero effort into my Facebook page. I have it there only as a point of contact and to give my brand some credibility on another platform. But I have messages turned off. I'm not interested. Like my ideal client is a young female and like I just love getting to know girls my like similar ages and stuff like that and that's not saying that I don't love and have the same connection with some of my older clients which I absolutely do and love them to death but for a general consensus I am more based towards a younger audience so if I started putting all this effort into Facebook marketing I would be bringing all of these clients in and they could be lovely but just not the client that I necessarily want to have right now yeah for sure I definitely agree with that Um, Now, what, in your opinion, is the most important thing with having an online presence? Like showing your face? Yeah, absolutely. Showing your face. Show your face. And I know this can be hard for some people because you might feel a little bit awkward and shy. And trust me, I do as well. You can't tell through the screen, but I'm almost sitting in my, almost always sitting in my bedroom. Like, so no one else can hear me in the house. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to go and talk to my phone for an hour. Like, and you do feel a little bit dumb and that's fine because you do get used to it. Um, but people don't want to buy from a corporation. They want to buy to someone that they connect to. And it's the same thing that why influencers are so successful. You go off their recommendations because you feel like you know who they are as a person. You feel like you know what they stand for. And then when they come up to try and sell on their stories or on their Instagram platform, you have a connection and you're so much more likely to buy for them if you than if you had never seen their face. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I know for me personally, there's a, I follow so many businesses on Instagram. I just love it. I'm all about it. And there's a few that I've never been to in my entire life. I just follow them because I think like a friend posted about them once. I was like, oh, cool, I'll follow them. And they get on their stories and they talk a lot. And there's one actually in particular, her name is 
Rachel's beauty spot. I think. Oh, I love her. Um, and she would have no idea who I am, but uh, I watch all of her stories and she does a few talking stories and I feel really connected to her. Yeah. And I feel like if I want to get my nails done, I'm definitely going to her now because I have that connection with her. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I used to just go to like, you know, your average Asian nail shop, but now I'm ready yeah. to take that step and have like a personal nail, um, Artist? Yeah. yeah. And let me just say for like, it's very common in this day and age for people to be anxious in different social settings, especially when you're going into someone's home for a service and it's a one-on-one thing. And I know this is something that I personally used to stress about. And it's like, what if we have nothing to talk about? What are we going to talk about? It's going to be so awkward, blah, 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 blah. But if you're like showing up on your stories and you're showing your personality, showing that you can talk about anything and you're kind and you're friendly, people don't have those emotions and they're so much more likely to book in with you because they feel comfortable. They want to be in your environment and they feel safe. Yeah, for sure. Lots of people have social anxiety, me included, and I know it can be really overwhelming booking in with someone new who you don't know. And that is the thing that runs through my head. I'm like, what if I can't talk to them? What if it's awkward? And things like that really stress me out. Whereas, for example, back to Rachel, if I book in with her to get my nails done, I feel like I could probably chat to her for ages. That is never a thought that crossed my mind. Whereas a business that I've only ever seen the lashes or nails that they do, I would feel that way. I'd be unsure and uneasy about booking in with them. Yeah, for sure. And let me just say, Rachel is killing the game. She's an absolutely amazing beauty therapist. So just a bit of a shout out to her. <laughs> I know we're doing lots of cute little shout outs for all the businesses we love. Cutter and Bow, Rachel's Beauty Spot. I Get know. on them, everyone. What They're really next? good. <laughs> um, now, I know you talk a lot about having a branding deck. Can you please explain a little bit about what that is and how you to make one of those? Absolutely. So something I'm just going to say straight off the bat, if you've made your logo from a Canva template, try again because I'm we're not here for that. I know it's the cheap alternative. Trust me, I get it. You're investing in all these other things. Why do you want to pay for a little picture that says your name on it? Whatever. A logo is the stamp that your business is recognized by. If you do not have something unique that your clients or customers have never seen before, they don't have this strong association between that image and your brand. And I see so many people just using Canva templates, changing out the name and being like, voila, you know, it's all done. It's amazing. But it's really important and something I would suggest for that, like because it can be a few hundred dollars, which is very scary from, you know, an investor's perspective because you're not sure that you'll get that back. But I always look for graphic design students and my current logo that I have at the moment, which is from Studio Ace, um, she did change her name. She used to be Matin Designs. Um, I found her when she had just less than a thousand followers and she did my logo for like $50 and don't get me wrong she's absolutely not that price now but that's a really good example of how you can still get really quality work for a cheaper price. As for a branding deck you want to pick you know three to five colors that you are going to use consistently and exclusively through your feed. So you save the six digit color code and for each of the colors and then I just save mine to my notes it's actually a little bit sad because I know a lot of my color codes off by heart now because I type them in so often um but you want to keep that same thing and it's about having a consistent brand something that I want to make 
clear if you are someone like me where a lot of photos in your feed are of faces or of skin it's really important to choose colors that can complement them so i use a lot of pink tones because a lot of skins are pink tones you can definitely use some other contrasting tones like if you want to do a blue theme or a green theme or theme or whatever but try and incorporate some of both so that if you put those photos side by side they're not competing with each other they're blending with each other and it's just going to give your Instagram page a really cohesive feel and I really highly suggest getting some cute highlight covers as well um, because you have four to six seconds to make an impression on someone when they land on your page before they click off so you need to be putting your best foot forward. Yes, I think that is so important. Like the amount of times, you know, someone will post a story and tag someone and you click on it. And yeah, I probably take even less than that sometimes. I look at it, I'm like, yes, am I going to stay on this page or no, am I going to get off here? And I think, like you said, a graphic designer is so important. When I was starting this podcast, I tried to do my own little podcast um, art on Canva. <laughs> Um, it was okay, <laughs> but then I was like, no, I really need to invest. And I went to buy, um, Jalim, I think I'm saying that right on Instagram. Her name is Juliana and she was amazing. The whole process, she just was catering everything to what I liked. I could literally be that picky every time she sent me something and she would go, yep, yeah, okay. And take it on board straight away. And we ended up coming up with something that I am over the moon with. And I know I could not have created something that I love that much on my own so absolutely. it's so worth it and it absolutely without a doubt it puts that if there's a line in the road and on one side there's professional and then the other side is unprofessional having a professional logo automatically puts you on the other side and i'm so serious if you don't love your logo do not settle for it i have changed my logo probably six times since i started and like that's okay because you know it was five years ago but the logo that I have now, it is timeless. I am going to love it forever. It is so beautiful and I don't need to worry about that anymore. And doing that and having the same logo for years and years and years is going to help brand awareness. You know, people know who you are. They recognize your logo, all of that good stuff. I know I actually was um, listening to like a YouTube video or TikTok the other day. And they were talking about um, a couple brands that had really iconic logos and they just decided to, you know, rebrand themselves and it didn't go well sometimes because their brand was so iconic to them and people knew that brand. And once, and these were businesses that have been around for 30 years and people know and respect their logo and they thought, let's, you know, rebrand, make more modern. And people just like stopped buying their products. One, because they didn't know it was their products and two, because they didn't feel like they knew their products anymore because it was branded differently and that wasn't what they were used to. Yeah, it could be the exact same product on the inside, but the second that you change your outside brand, it can be detrimental. So I do suggest if you're planning on a rebrand, I would be posting about it almost every day on your Instagram stories. Being like, give it a date, set a date and be like, on this date, we are changing, we are rebranding, these are the colours you can look out for, it is still us. And then when you do rebrand, be considerate, show your face every day, be like, it's still me guys, it's me, it's me, it's me. Um, because branding is everything and something we also learned in uni, I don't study marketing, I study dietetics, but we do a lot of, you know, just marketing things. 
a new brand, a new product, a new, you know, space for the brand being like new logo, new name, whatever, it could be the same product. Um, in the first year, there is a 60% chance of flopping, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Your sales will be great in the beginning. People are like, oh, I might try this new thing out. But if you're not, you know, showing consistency, they're going to be a little bit confused and it's just, it's not giving you that really strong backbone that you need. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Now, I know the Instagram algorithm can be quite tricky. So do you have any tips for beating it and how to come out the other side better than it? First of all, and this is going to be another little business shout out. If you are not already following Brie Designs, you should be. She is a digital marketing coach. She is someone that I look at her stories every single day. Um, And she actually posted something recently and it was just like a little reel about, you know, how many of us have said that the Instagram algorithm is working against me? And I feel like everyone has, but you need to take some responsibility for the content you're posting as well. I can post the same angle and set of lashes over and over again, but it's on different people and they're slightly different. People don't care because you're posting the same shit over and over. It's not engaging. They don't care about it. It's got no emotional pull. It's not exciting. It's not new. It's a static image rather than a video and all of that stuff. So first and foremost, consider the content you're posting. If you're getting bad engagement rates, think about why. When you go onto your page, it might look very aesthetically pleasing and everything's from the same angle and it's all beautiful and blah, 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 blah. But when that appears in your feed or your client's feed, do you think they're actually noticing the difference? No. Secondly, when you are posting on Instagram, I would highly suggest you guys set up as a business page or a creator and then get into your insights. These are not available straight away because obviously it needs to track how your followers engage with your posts before it can sort of give you the things that they need. Um, so look at what time your um, followers are most active and you know start thinking, okay, well, now something at the moment, daylight savings we've just had. So people people are starting to eat their dinner a little bit later. So the time that they're going onto their phones is a little bit later because they're staying out in the sun a little bit later. So previously I was more of a six o'clock poster. Now it's slowly moving towards more eight o'clock and that happens all the time. So get an understanding of your insights. And then when it comes to posting, There are so many things you can do to increase your digital footprint of your posts. And these might not make or break it if your content is not the best it can be, but there are a lot of little ways where you can help increase your reach. So tagging your location. So, you know, when you post to your feed, it says at the top, you know, it's got your name and then right under that, it's got the location. I always tag Lang Warren or the surrounding suburbs because then when you would to click on that Lang Warren thing, my posts are going to show up and I've actually secured a wedding via doing that, a wedding, a bridal party makeup, which is, you know, hundreds of dollars just by tagging Lang Warren. They were in regional Victoria coming down to Lang Warren for their wedding and that's how she found me and I made hundreds of dollars just by, you know, tagging that location. Then hashtags. Hashtags, they're great for expanding reach and they are really important and it's good to use relevant hashtags. 
Um, but also it's not going to be like this amazing, you know, incredible thing because how many times have you gone and followed someone from a hashtag? You know, probably not very often. That's something I've always thought. I always thought hashtags were just stupid because personally I never look at hashtags. Mm-hmm. I'm never on a hashtag. However, I've started hashtagging my post recently and sometimes I'll get a hundred people coming to my post from it and I'm like, who is on these hashtags? But obviously people are. Like. Yeah. And for me, I follow certain hashtags. So like Melbourne MUA, Melbourne makeup artists, things like that, because I actually really love engaging with other local makeup artists. So they now, once you follow a hashtag, they appear in your feed. And so a lot of people follow a lot of hashtags. So that's just another way your face is going to appear in someone else's feed. Something I will say about hashtags, if you're just a straight up hashtag makeup, how many posts are going to come up under that hashtag, right? And when you click on that hashtag, it is automatically ordered in terms of what people are engaging with the most. So you, if you're tagging something that has a million or 10 million or 100,000 posts, how do you think you're going to stand out against the crowd? It might be a little bit more worth your while to focus more energy into smaller hashtags and, you know, adding a few of the bigger ones in. I definitely do. I always add a few of those bigger hashtags, but I also don't know that I'm making that much of an indent in that market. Um, And also hashtagging your location. So hashtag Melbourne makeup artist, hashtag Langmore makeup artist, you know, go through all of them tag the surrounding suburbs in your hashtags and make sure they're specific to the post. So obviously I do makeup, lashes and brows. If I'm tagging hashtag Melbourne makeup artist in a brow post, like it's just, it's a bit silly because if they're on that hashtag, they're not looking for brows. They're looking for makeup or whatever. So make sure they're relevant. And the last thing that I'll say is change them up. You have no idea how easy it is to get shadow banned on Instagram or anything like that, or even just have your engagement impacted if you are just posting the exact same hashtags under every single post, because Instagram has, you know, these little technique things. I don't know how it really works. If I'm honest, I think of them as little robots. That's what I think of them as, yeah. Yeah, little, little robots. And they're trying to block all the spam users out of Instagram. You know, people that literally just spam your posts with emojis or copy and pasted messages or whatever. So once you, you know, post that exact same order of hashtags, those exact same hashtags on, you know, three, five, whatever posts, it's going to start thinking that that comment is a spam comment. And so you might be impacted from that. We don't actually know. These are all of us just reading between the lines because Instagram's not going to come straight up and be like, oh yeah, we've shadow banned you so no one can actually see your posts. These are just assumptions. So it's better to be safe than sorry. Change them up. And on that note, if, if you just tag the same hashtags over and over again, you are limiting the places that you can show up on someone's feed. So if I use 30 hashtags in my post today and then a complete different 30 hashtags in my post tomorrow, that is 60 different places I'm going to show up as a profile. Whereas if I just tag the same 30 every day for my whole life, I'm only coming up in these 30 places. If a potential client, customer, follower never clicks on one of those 30 hashtags, you're not going to get found. That's such a good way of putting it. I never thought about that before. I know 
I'm thinking now I'm a bit guilty of using the same hashtags all the time and I probably need to um, get out there with the hashtags I'm using. That's so smart. You're reaching more people Mm -hmm. if, you know, say the same people are only checking those hashtags. They're the people that are only seeing your things and you could be reaching more. Exactly. And um, it is okay to have some staple hashtags. There are ones that I'll use in basically every post that are relevant. So I have, you know, Melbourne MUA, Melbourne Makeup Artists, just like three or four hashtags that anytime I would post a photo of makeup, they would be in it because they are my most relevant hashtags. So it is okay to have some staples to rely on. Yeah, right. That's really smart. Now, let's say someone's just started their business and they've just gotten onto social media. How do you recommend they create a customer base from nothing? Like, so they've never had a business before, never had anything like that. Where do they begin? First and foremost, your family and friends are obligated to give you a shout out, in my opinion. In my opinion, I, and it can be, it can feel a little bit awkward, but literally send them a message. I still do this with my sisters. If my posts are not doing great with engagement, I'll send them a message, be like, hello, go and comment on my post. Give me a shout out, you know, do, do some of that for me. But start off with getting all of your friends and family as much as you can to go and show some love to your page, whether that be just following you, sharing you to other profiles, whatever. Um, If you're not too concerned, and I know that this is a thing for a lot of people, between your follower to following ratio. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, my following is, you know, the people that you are following. Let's make that clear. The people that you are following is higher than the amount of followers that you have. People often are like, oh, that's really bad. And yes, it's bad if you're just going to like follow a whole, you know, plethora of people thinking that they're all going to follow you back. But try and use that and find some other businesses that you like. Give them a follow. Start commenting on that page and people will just see your name pop up and they'll be able to find you. It's another digital footprint. Obviously, it's just your name, but it can direct people back to your page. Um, Influencer marketing, I will say again, is an amazing way to get your name out there. Um, My dad, and it's a little bit old school, it might work if you're looking for an older audience. My dad used to always suggest that we went and do like a letterbox drop, like in our street, go and pop my business card in there. And I never did it, but it was a cute idea. But it is cute. Like I know, um, like a local shop that's just down the street from me, it's like takeaway Mm. food, which I know is completely different, but maybe someone wants to start a business to do with food and they dropped their menu in my letterbox. And I remember being like, awesome now I have their menu and if I want takeaway from them I don't have to search it up online I've got it in my house ready to go and I was like that is awesome genius absolute genius and I think it works better for product based businesses me personally I worry about who I'm pulling in I don't know these people in these houses I can't see them I can't relate to them I don't know if I want them in my obviously I have been working from home up until the new restrictions And a lot of the time I was home by myself. So I would be really cautious of the people that I'm letting into my home and my safe space because it can feel like a little bit threatening. So Mm. that's fine if you're feeling brave or if you know the people do promotional discounts. So I have seen a lot of people successfully implement a referral program um, where so someone comes in, they get their lashes done, blah, blah, blah. You give them a little card at the end and it says for every successful referral, you will receive $5 off your appointment and so will the person that has been referred by you. So then both of them are benefiting from a little discount 
um, and it can help them sort of going out and talking to their friends and family and all that. And you would just write or say to them in the person that's booking in, just make sure they mention your name and they will receive $5 off. And then I will keep that $5 off on file for you as well. So that's another way to sort of try and get out there a little bit more. Yeah, like we were saying, um, you're going to trust your friends. I trust my friends' opinions. So I think so highly of their opinions. So if they're telling me this person is great on PS, you'll get $5 off if you go there. I'd be like, well, hell yeah, sign me up. And it's also a really good idea to, um, if you are selling a product, I know I got some skincare the other day and they had on the packaging saying, if you post a photo um, with yourself using this skincare and you tag us, we'll give you 15% off your next order. Like, of course, hell yeah, if I like that product and I want to get it again, of course I want 15% off and then you're doing free promoting for them. That's such a smart way of doing it. It is a very smart idea. Very, very smart. Never underestimate how much people want things for free. If someone said to you personally, as a consumer, do you want this for free? Do you want a discount? You would say yes. So something really smart, and this is another small business you guys can go and follow. Glam Theory Cosmetics has recently um, launched their brush range and it's actually ran by Eliza Madeline Makeup and I have done training with her. She's absolutely amazing for smaller makeup artists. Even if you're larger, she does six-week intensive classes. You go once a week for six weeks, obviously not right at the moment, but I did training there, loved every minute of it and formed some really good connections. But something that she does for her Glam Theory Cosmetics is once a month she gives a $50 voucher to someone that has tagged them or hashtagged them in one of their posts and it's just picked at random and you know that's just another way of marketing yes it costs you $50 in sales um, but you could spend that in any area of marketing so I think that's a really smart way of doing it yeah definitely um, and I know when you were saying people want free things me, for example, when I get onto someone's website, you know how they have those little pop-ups? It's like, put your email in and you get 10% off your first order. I always do it. Even if I know I'm not going to buy anything from them ever, mm -hmm. I just fall, you know, I guess victim to it. But not victim. Like, it's just really smart. It's so smart. Of course, I want to have that 10% voucher sitting there one day in case I order something. So that's another yeah. good thing is doing pop-ups on your little website. Mm -hmm. And from a business perspective, it is a great way to have them sign up on your email marketing, get a little bit of attraction that way as well. So once you have launched, how did you make sure that you were going to keep sales coming in after the launch date? Um, I think that comes in to marketing. It's a lot of marketing, 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 reaching new people, ask for reviews. So I've just enabled reviews on my website and it gives you credibility. You can, you know, screenshot those reviews and post it to your story and it sort of converts those watchers into buyers, people that might be watching from the sidelines, not sure what the product's actually going to be like or anything like that. Um... Yeah, it just, it comes into that. I'm really actually asking your purchasers or clients, anything like that, for their honest feedback. Because if they're not, you know, you need someone to tell you what's right and what's wrong about your service. And it doesn't have to be in a mean way. Someone could just say, oh, it might really make, you know, your service so much better if you had a candle going and really set the mood. Like it doesn't need to be big things, but it's just about creating something that is the best that you possibly can. And I know with your two product-based businesses, 
um, you're expanding both of them already. Like you didn't just go, all right, we're going to do lashes and lashes only because at the end of the day, like once people have bought the lashes, although they're going to buy more again, that's just only one thing you're offering. Whereas I know you're already planning to expand that further. Mm -hmm. So something that you should consider if you are a product based, is it something that people buy once or is it something that people buy over and over again? So with candles, you buy more once they run out. Whereas if you sell, you know, like a makeup brush, people only really buy that once until they use it to death. And usually that's only what makeup artists do. So that's an incredibly small margin of people. So I think it's really good to have a combination of like frequently purchased items as well as one time purchased items. So something that I'm expanding into with the collective is we're going into lighting and more professional based stuff and they're all like one-time purchases so I'm bringing in some ring lights that's something that people buy once you know they don't need to buy them over and over again so try and keep it you know as expansive as possible because when you have a frequently purchased product you know something that people buy all the time once they've bought it and seen that the quality is amazing they just want to keep coming back to you. They don't want to try anywhere else. So that's a really good thing to consider. I know exactly that. The quality is also like a big thing as well. Um, with your lashes, I obviously have had a few pairs and tried them and I absolutely love them. They are so good. I was actually so Stop proud it. of you. Stop it. You're making my head huge. <laughs> um, and I was just like, so just before you brought them out, I wanted to get some lashes because I was taking some little pics and I just got um, ones from the supermarket and I've literally worn them like twice and they just look like crap. And now when I wear yours, I'm like, I cannot go back. Like I just, I can't. And I've never been somebody to, you know me, I never really mm. value fake lashes. I'm not a big fake lash person. But now that I've tried yours, I'm like, yep, this is where I'm going to stay. This is the standard that my lashes need to meet now. Absolutely. And I think it comes down to as well as the seller, I guess. You need to really believe in your products. I went through so many different manufacturers getting um, samples for my lashes and then altering those samples because I really wanted a clear band um, for my strip lashes. So it's all those little things. I hate to toot my own horn, but I love my lashes. I think they are absolutely incredible and they're a great addition to the market. If you don't believe in your brand and you know what some people call it cockiness, maybe it's just confidence, but if you don't believe in your brand, how can you expect others to? If you don't solely believe in everything you're selling and believing it is the best it possibly can be and you are getting it at an incredibly competitive price for what it is valued at, then why would you expect others to pay that premium or to buy your product if you are not giving it any credibility? Yes, no, I definitely 100% agree with that. Yeah, you have to stand behind what you're selling. And people can tell if you don't think it is as legitimate as it should be. Like if you're talking about, oh, how great this is, but, you know, oh, just don't do this or don't do that because it might not last long. Then people go, oh, but so you don't really think that it is worth that or like it's going to last a really long time. Yeah. Now, with your manufacturers, how do you find them? What do you do? So something that is great, and I don't understand how it bloody works, but I have WhatsApp and I contact a lot of my manufacturers through there, but then other people find me through there and they know what I'm after. They, I get messages almost every day from these manufacturers. They send me all these photos. They're like, this is what we have. Do you like any of these? They always call me dear, which I love. Um, 
sweeties. Yeah, I know. It's so sweet. But that is one way I constantly have people reaching out through my Instagram page. So a lot of newer manufacturers, they'll just contact you directly. You can literally Google, you know, all of these things. And it depends on what your product is. And I will speak openly about my lashes. They are manufactured in China, like most things. But if I was looking to build a liquid product or a cream product or a cosmetic product that would go on the skin or, you know, like an adhesive for lash extensions, any of that, I would not have it manufactured overseas. I just don't trust the health standards around that. Whereas eyelashes, I feel they're not very detrimental to your health. Um, but for liquid based products or anything like that, you can literally just go into Google, figure out what you're wanting to sell. So if you're wanting to sell fake tan, you would literally write in fake tan manufacturer, Australia, and it will bring up all of these things. And most of these platforms, it's not like an online website you shop at. It's usually an email or you submit a request or anything like that. And it's a lot, a lot, a lot of back and forth. Yep. So really making sure that they're going to make something to your standards and that they can also, I guess, communicate with you effectively. Like I know, you know, working with manufacturers in China, obviously lots of them do speak English, but some of them not as coherently as others. So making mm-hmm. sure that you can communicate what you're after. I know that was a big thing for some people um, that were looking into manufacturers, like their communication skills weren't there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can you expect them to make what you want if they don't understand you? Absolutely. And I think that's another thing to consider. And every, a, a lot of people do opt for a Chinese manufacturer. It is cheaper. I will give it that. You do often have a massive shipping bill, which is expected. Um, but let me just say, if you cannot effectively communicate with your manufacturer, they are not the one for you. If they're not understanding, it means they are not well versed in dealing with Australian or English speaking clients. They might be a smaller, you know, company just starting out, or they could be a bit of a scam, which is something you need to look out for. You need to make sure that they are a business person. They are there to meet your needs. They are working for you. It is your product. So if you can't communicate and get exactly what you want out of it, it is not for you. And I know that can be scary. You're like, oh my God, I've only got a few manufacturers. But let me tell you, I dead ass get messages daily from all of these other people that, you know, manufacture something and they want you as a customer. So make sure that the communication is open and it flows, you know, so easily so that if you had any issues arise when your products do get to you, you can communicate that and they're going to be able to understand what you need from them. Yeah, I love that. That's really, really smart. Now, let's chat about the quote-unquote boring stuff. (laughs) Um, So how to become a fully legitimate business. I know lots of small businesses like to just um, run around that for a while. They just like to, you know, not be fully legit for a while. Mm -hmm. But I think you can speak a bit about this maybe coming back to bite you on the bum and just not being worth it. Um, so in the beginning, I, I had an ABN from the get go, but I was always like, I don't know what this does. Like, I just have a number. It doesn't, you, I'm not putting it in anywhere. I just have a number, like all of that stuff. I was not insured in my makeup days when I was working from my mum's house. Um, I did not have any insurance. I was not a registered business. Like I didn't have a registered business name. I didn't pay tax. But 
you know, we all start somewhere and if you can start off on the right foot, I think you should. Otherwise, you may end up with a massive tax bill like myself, but that is fine. We're, we're moving on. So first and foremost, if you're starting a business, you have to figure out if someone has already used that name. So you can go onto the ASIC website, which is A-S-I-C, and they have a little search bar and you can type in the name that you're thinking. It will bring up every registered business name that is similar. And then you can tell, obviously, if it's taken or not. And then from there, once you have one that is available, you will be able to go and register for your ABN and your business name on the government website. Let me make this clear. If you type in ABN registry and you are not on the government website, it will charge you to register. If you are on the Australian government website, it is free. So don't get sucked into paying an extra $50 when you don't need to. It is easier to pay someone else to do it, but all in all, the application maybe takes 20 minutes to fill out. Can be a little bit confusing, but you can Google the questions. There is always answers and always help available. In that place, you will register for your ABN, which is free, and then your business name in the same application. I do mine on a three-year basis, and it is about $80. I know that you can apply a year-to-year -year one. I feel like it's around $30. Um, once you've done that, you need to look into what type of insurance you need. So if you, like me, are working from home, you're not covered by anyone else's insurance, you need to look at things like public liability and anything like that and just get basic cover or medium cover, whatever you feel is fit. Usually they are billed on a monthly or a weekly basis. It is not very expensive. It's like car insurance. It's like a little bit extra and you'd rather have that sense of security and then as for paying tax, same thing, go into separate accounts. So you have your business account and you have some sort of way of tracking all of the payments that you have received throughout the years and just go to a bloody accountant. Something that I've learned is that if you can pay someone to do the jobs that you hate doing, do it. Because I do not want to spend 10 hours or 50 hours or whatever doing a tax return. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes me feel stupid. I don't know what I can claim and what I can't claim. Whereas I pay my um, tax people. I just pay them. They handle it. I don't need to worry about it. And it's completely gone. I go to a place in Somerville and they are LBW Advisory. I cannot recommend them highly enough. They will answer all of your questions. I know it's really hard as a sole trader to understand what is going on and what you need to be doing, but they have your back and they are amazing. Right, that's really good. I also definitely recommend going to a tax person. And like you said, if you don't like doing something, don't do it. Like I heard this recently and it's you can never get time back. Like it's just physically impossible. You will not get yesterday back. However, the money you spend, you will get back. Money is ever flowing. If you spend money on a tax agent, that money will come back to you in your next week's paycheck. So don't stress about having to pay for little services like that. I know we're kind of brought up to think that it's bad to pay for things that you can do yourself, but just pay for things that you don't enjoy. It'll make your life so much more enjoyable. And time is money, baby. If I, I can make that money back, 
in, in less hours doing more services. Like if I'm like, okay, so I think from last year, we did have to cover a lot of stuff. I paid about $300 for my tax return for my um, getting up to date and making sure that all of the boxes that I missed in my past were all ticked because I'm looking at buying a house. So I need to make sure that everything is crystal clear in my tax paying history. So it was a little bit more expensive last year. It was around $300, but I can do that in three sets of eyelashes. Do you know what I mean? Three full sets. It takes me one day's work. I would rather do that than do a tax return. Yeah, exactly. It's just thinking about it in a different way and not being like, oh, I have to pay for this tax return. Being like, yep, I'll pay for it. Make my life easier. Then I can spend time earning more money and doing what I love. And also you can claim it on tax. So yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. People forget about that a lot. Now with um, tax and super, I know you kind of touched on this briefly before, but you have to put money aside for that, which I don't think a lot of people know when they start their own business. So how do you work out how much to put aside? Let me just straight up say I've only just put started putting money into my super this year because my new tax agent at LBW um, told me about it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have no money to retire with. Um, let's get on to that. Um, so usually when you work for someone else and this goes on behind the scenes and a lot of people don't know this, they put money into your super every paycheck. They should be legally. Um, and so I have a rest super account. That is who I was set up with when I worked at Target. They automatically set me up. So I'm just rolling with that. I don't know enough to shop around and, you know, do interest rates and all that. You who they are pretty good though. I think I I did a little dabbling in research in it, and um, after reading the Barefoot Investor, acting mm. like I had my big girl pants <laughs> on and I was a money whiz, and they looked pretty okay to me. I'm with them as well, so yeah. yeah. So that is who I'm using. They have an app. You download it to your phone. You can literally just set up weekly, monthly, whatever direct debits. And so this is a great thing to do if you do have a business account. So I put 10% in of my weekly pay, but it is billed monthly. So just keep that in mind. Have the extra money sitting in your business account ready to go. That is the standard rate. Most um, employers pay about 9.6% into your super every week. If you would like to set yourself up, put a little bit more in. It comes down to, and I know it can be very confusing, what tax bracket you've fallen into. So the more money you make, the higher the percent of tax is. So it's something that I could talk about forever and it is incredibly confusing. But once you are making, I think it's over $90,000 or, you know, up around that end, after the $90,000, you're paying about 30% tax. If you can bring it back down, just on that upper bit that's past. So if you're making $95,000, only on $5,000 would you be paying 30% tax. It doesn't apply to the whole entire income, just the money that is past that tax bracket. You pay a premium. If you can get that money lower, you know, closer to the tax bracket by doing pre-tax contributions to your super, you do not have to pay tax on it. So it's a little bit of a tricky, you know, being a little bit smart about things. But at the end of the day, if you're in a position where you can put more money in your super, it is just going to give you an easier retirement. I know. I actually started listening to She's on the Money podcast recently and um, Victoria was talking on there about how 
if you take $10,000 out of your super now, that could potentially be $200,000 by the time you retire. Mm-hmm. So vice versa, if you put an extra $10,000 in now or any less than that, that is going to multiply ridiculously by the time you retire and you are just going to thank yourself for it later. Yeah, for sure. And if you're someone like me, I have not paid super in, I left Target when I was, I think I was 18 or 19. So I'm 21 now. So that's about three years. My game plan is to put an extra 5% away a week. So I'm at around 15% so that I can try and catch up for this lost time. Yeah, that's a really, really smart little idea. Now, I think that's kind of the basis of lots of things. There's, I've just had a spark of idea for another episode <laughs> to get you on for that I think would be really great. But to close it all off, what is your biggest advice for someone who is starting out their first business? Don't give up. Do not give up. I know it can be hard and I know there are times that you question, is it worth it? I'm putting so much money. I'm just doing everything I can and it's not getting me where I want to be, just don't give up because you could try so hard at being successful for five whole years and never get anywhere and on the sixth year become this massive sensation. So don't give up. If you believe in it and it's still your passion, then keep striving for success. You will get there. That is so great. Yes, believe in yourself because you are so capable of more than you know. Um, I think that's a really good little way to end it off. Now as well, can you give everybody your socials and where they can find you and your businesses and all those little things? Absolutely. So my main um, account is Kaylee Haddo Beauty. I show up there almost every day. You'll get to see me ramble on my stories about a plethora of things. Then my collective page is The K Collective with two underscores at the end. I know it's very annoying. And then my business page, my business page, my personal page is just Kaylee Haddo with an underscore. And that's it. Very nice. I will leave those um, handles in the show um, notes as well as her K Collective website because you definitely want to get your hand on a pair of those lashes. Like I said, they're incredible. The standard is amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today's episode, Kaylee. It was actually so nice. Thank Um, you so much for having me. I had an amazing time and I hope that everyone has got a lot of Um, useful tips and tricks out of it. As always, my DMs are always open. If you have any questions, anything you want clarification on, I'm there. I'm ready to help. Yes, you're a little pro (laughs) like that. My advice, buddy. (laughs) All right. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you did, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget you are beautiful, incredible, and you are loved. Bye. (laughs)